there is a huge SEO implication here. And so if you're not optimizing your content on your website, let's say for what we refer to as long tail search or the longer phrases that we would naturally use for asking questions, you're going to be missing the boat pretty quickly. These devices are being adopted in mass and we just hope people start to go, okay, let me experiment. Let me see what I can do in my domain with this. There's plenty of opportunity for small players, medium-sized players to actually start to get a foothold and even take on those number one, number two players because it's wide open right now. And it's just a tremendous amount of opportunity. Today's episode is part two of my discussion on making sound possible and useful to a brand and its existing strategy with Scott and Susan Westwater of Pragmatic Digital. My name is Gina Isham, and this is the Sound and Marketing Podcast. Prioritization, I think, is key because, you know, you look at this opportunity, which is so huge, and it's completely overwhelming. So if you come into this and go, oh, I want a part of this, but I don't even know where to start, it's mm-hmm. definitely important to um, to decide what comes first, second, and third. Um, yeah. And to not reinvent the wheel. I agree completely. You can't just get into a space because that's where things are going. It has to make sense. Um, and one thing that I kind of preach is that, you know, there there's a space for everybody in sound marketing and it doesn't look in it doesn't look like one thing or another. It looks like what it's supposed to look like for you. So right. like for instance, um, you know, a podcaster maybe all that they want to do in sound marketing right now is come up with a, a sound logo for their for their podcast. That's great. Um, you know, come up with that. And then from that, later on, if you want to develop something more um, from that, you've kind of got a foundation. You've got something to start from. Um, or you can completely reinvent later if you wanted to. But um, just start, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's it's not – and the, the crazy thing about sound marketing is – um, from the difference between video and, um, you know, commercial marketing and all that stuff is that you don't need millions of dollars to put yep. together a broadcast ad, you know, mm-hmm. you can, you can download audacity for free and record something, you know, like you don't, you don't need all of the bells and whistles initially. So, um, it's just a, a fantastic time. It's, it's a wild west, um, just so much to, to soak in. Do you have clients that are just like one one person clients, or are these usually larger businesses that you work with? It can vary. Um, some some clients have teams. Um, one one client who we were speaking with, um, when, actually, when I first met with them, they said, "You know what? My CMO they have a line in a minute says voice, and there's a budget number, and I have no idea what to do with this. <laughs> and I'm a two person team, and I have no idea." how I'm going to add one more channel because we're already, and this was kind of interesting, they were fighting the fight for using digital over um, broadcast. And so they were already fighting that fight. And and then she said to me, and now I've got to figure out how to add voice to this. Oh my gosh. And so that very much is where we um, assure her with, hey, we have workflows that can be efficient more so than that. You, this isn't reinventing the wheel. And if you don't feel great about your website, um, here's actually an opportunity to make some voice content, uh, work that through, and then you can either apply those learnings to your website content, or you can um, start to go from there where here's an opportunity, um, if you didn't get it right in the other channels, where you can start to get it right. Because um, as you were saying, right now, if, 
if we had known what SEO was and all of the importance of websites back when websites were first coming out, how different would the evolution be? And so we have, we're, we're armed with some very smart insights that while it's not one for one, we can extrapolate and, and come up with better experiences that are going to ramp up a lot faster and evolve uh, to serving, you know, to being those useful and usable pieces than we ever saw with the web. Mm-hmm. And I even, um, I read an article this morning that was, was interesting to me, uh, you know, people talking about how they absorb broadcast commercials differently now. Um, 60%, I think it was 60% of people aren't even looking at the screen, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. that second screen situation going on, you know, they're looking at their phone, or maybe they're going to make themselves a snack during the commercial or something like that. But they're listening, maybe, but they're not watching. So it could be as simple as if you're not ready for the sound marketing space yet, when you're putting together your broadcast ads, like listen to it without looking at it. And it doesn't make sense. Are you mentioning your product in in the in the actual like text that's being spoken, um, little things like that, just optimizing in that respect, it'll make it. I believe it'll make it that much easier to transition as you go into the sound marketing space because everyone will. I am sure of it. The yeah. as busy as busy as we are now, you know, uh, the idea of you know sitting down and turning on the TV or even sitting down at your computer and turning on the screen like. It's, we're, we're just too busy now. We're, we're not even looking at our, we're not even looking down at our cell phone anymore. We're talking to Siri or we're talking to Google. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of, you know, data that shows that we are as a society distracted and not necessarily focusing our attention on any one given media. And so one of the nice things about sound and audio is it allows you to do two things at once. So you can listen to a podcast while you're cooking or whatever. Right. And so I think you're really onto something with the, if you're not ready to jump into audio branding, really using the commercials that you're working on and the video content you're working on to actually start to establish that Sonic logo and really your Sonic brand. Because once you translate your content into say a smart speaker where there's no screen, if you don't have that mnemonic, you don't have that sort of a sound equity, no one's going to know who it's from versus someone else. And so, you know, you've got, the Intel ding and some of those other examples of people that created a sonic brand in broadcast and then started using it across the board, it's going to be literally critical to, to have that type of thing established right now. And so I truly believe we're going to go through kind of a golden era of audio content, voice acting, audio production, audio engineering, really a lot of the disciplines that have been pretty hammered over the past decade um, as people's attention have shifted, I really do think that a lot of those folks are going to start to see a lot of work coming their way because there's a tremendous amount of need for it. Yeah. The science of sound just in itself, as you talk about broadcast, um, I mean, a lot of people do think of the, the sonic logo. Um, there are so many other aspects to a broadcast piece where sound could make that message that much more powerful. Steve Keller had actually shared um, from Pandora had shared some efficiencies that were just gained by um, creating background music for a client who then didn't have to do that scramble at the end of the broadcast piece of what music are we using? We already know we'll always use this music that has been developed to support our values because of how 
it sounds and the pieces of that. And um, CZM, uh, CZM Song, has, which is another group um, that works specifically on just the science of, of sound, has also been able to start to understand the levers that come behind that that um, almost makes that more powerful than actually even your own visual logo. Um, because sound does uh, kind of dive into and it hits triggers in your brain. I mean, you don't dance to a picture, you dance to music. And so there are, are, are things within our minds that you really can unlock. Um, with that, then, then there obviously is the whole ethic discussion. Um, but And, and, and the, all those teams have their eyes on that. But that is in another whole incredible area of when you know, we're talking about delivering experiences that are useful. There's this whole other aspect to it um, that can make it even more powerful just by thinking through the deliberate choices of what sounds we will use and what sounds we will not. Yeah, actually, uh, Steve was, he, he shared another article from the Pandora for Brands that they were working on uh, a case with Propel Water. They developed this app and they combined, I, I'm going to explain it terribly wrong, so I'm going to link the the article <laughs> in, in the show notes. But basically what they did was they drew on the power of sound and the power of um, visual and they worked together. They correlated together. Yeah. And so by the image that was being portrayed and the music that went with that image you got a certain taste in your mouth it was either sweet or it was I, I don't think it was sour but um it was yeah. sweeter or not um but anyways I was like that's perfect because we have five senses and all we focus on is one sense mm -hmm. there's so much more that we can do and um and the thing about yeah and the thing about sound is it doesn't just have to be sound we're talking about sound marketing but we also want picture to attribute to sound and we want sound to attribute to picture they all should correlate together and the the more of the senses that we can combine the more of a sincere representation of our brand we're going to be delivering. Yeah. And the stronger the emotional response too. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, what do you, what have you been seeing in the voice landscape lately that's been fascinating you? What kind of creativity has been really impressing you? We've had a lot of discussions recently with uh, folks that have created whole software platforms outside of Amazon Alexa and Google Home. Um, which is really interesting to me. So looking at ways to embed voice into literally every digital property, whether it's a website or an app. And so a lot of that is super interesting to me because I kind of see that as the next wave. And so if we look at like the smart speakers and our, our smart assistants kind of as that first wave, um, there's already folks that are trying to figure out what that next wave after this wave is. And this wave hasn't even quite crashed yet. So that's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, seeing a lot of interesting work um, just in the voice community in general. Um, there's a lot of talk around hearables and with, you know, the um, Amazon buds and, you know, the yeah. Samsung pods and whatever everyone's calling their own devices, but they're in-ear experiences. Um, lots of really interesting conversation happening around what's possible there and the idea of augmented audio. Um, which I think is really interesting as well. So not only will you be able to access your assistant, but it might be aware based on your location and give you location-based information. So there's this really interesting convergence that we're starting to see of technology, marketing, user experience, and really just all these different aspects to create a real well-rounded experience. And that's really, I think it, for me at least, um, really exciting. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I what I, I've been seeing from an interesting perspective is not just the idea of um, let's already break the thought that it always is going to be this puck or this um, screen and puck on my on my um, you know either uh, on my desk or in my living room, but it's going to be all these other ways that I can interact with that and embed that. But I think what's also kind of interesting now is that we're hearing a little more about the strategic thought um, um, because it's really exciting, all these platforms. We have so much that we can do right now from a marketing perspective of, as we're talking about starting small and, and building on that, that there's so much that we can still play with as, um, especially from a content and a user experience perspective within what we have, that we can start to play with that to make that next wave that's coming even, even more exciting. Yeah, I it, it's all fascinating me, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I think that it's all really cool. Like I uh, just did an interview with somebody that works uh, exclusively on Alexa and Google skills. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I was just like, I couldn't wrap my head around. And so he started talking about, you know, what it could do. And it was just blowing my mind because I feel like the smart speakers were created as like a creature comfort of sorts. It didn't really, it wasn't solving a problem. It just became. And then when he was talking about the skills that you could put in there, um, you know, uh, putting in emergency response notifications or voter information, which would link to like the younger generations not watching those broadcast ads, um, just linking people more. I, I, I was just like, it, it's actually providing a service. Like this is actually yep. helping things. And so th just that evolution right there was so cool to me. I was like, here's something that didn't really have a reason to be. And now it's becoming a reason to be. So I really like that. And yeah. I think the the big I mean, reason for being is the fact that Amazon wasn't successful with their phone. And mm. so, you know, with iOS and Android really taking the phone market, this was like Amazon's attempt to be relevant kind of in that next wave after the phone. And so um, from what I understand, there were 14 or so different um, product teams working on different voice initiatives within Amazon. And like you said, when they had Alexa come out, it was kind of the one that actually hit, but it was never a, like, this is what we intended on building and this is the approach. Um, so it's really interesting when you kind of dig under the hood a little bit to understand the genesis of Alexa and kind of where it is now, it's nothing short of astounding that, you know, they kind of stumbled into this whole new ecosystem. Well, and I think you've touched on something really important though, as you said, there are things I didn't know that Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa, and it's soon to be from what I'm hearing, um, Samsung Bixby can do. And I think that harkens back to as there is this push towards innovating and all these other ways you can interact with something. It's also the training that needs to be had to the intended users. Um, there is definitely um, something to be said for you need to also have a plan as a marketer of how you're going to get the word out about awareness and discoverability. And um, I, I think that when some people think of discoverability, they think of it more of the explorer who happens upon something and then they put their flag on it. But in reality, I think we can provide um, a Sherpa to go with that explorer and guide them to what they need. And we went through this with web when we first had to, um, I have a, a funny story of where I was working with a very large consumer packaged goods company. Um, 
actually they've been referred to as the 300 pound gorilla. Um, I was actually working with one of their main brands and this was back in early 2000s and I had their senior brand manager basically question, what is this web thing? What is this internet? And do we really need to pay as much attention to it? And I know, and now we all laugh, but at the time it was a major discussion about whether or not do we really put our website URL on our packaging? Because our packaging is very important real estate. And so it was a very, I mean, it was, um, he would not have been doing his job if he didn't ask that question and question it. And then today we kind of look and I say, well, this, that's where we are again today of, do I tell them, do I drive a, a, a user to the, um, the voice experience it's supposed to be? And I think in some cases, um, an Alexa skill or a Google assistant um, action is going to be an okay experience because there are certain things in our lives that will be we're going to want to have the information about them accessible via voice, but that's as far as we want them in our lives. And that's okay because that's what that brand should be. And then there are other brands that um, are much more comprehensive that are a deeper fiber of what we are. Perhaps um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, perhaps it might be a car company. Maybe it is something a little bit bigger that has more immersive because there are more devices. Then yes, we want that all to connect and to be that much more immersed. And I think, if we start small, we can start to understand where the borders and the edges of that should be, of where a brand should be entering into our lives and where it shouldn't. Because I think more and more and more I hear about how, you know, advertising of the past and marketing was disruptive. And now it's integrated, I think was during when I was cutting my teeth, they called it integrated. Now um, I think it's native. And I think that is an important thing to, to remember is of allowing and making and whoever that user is feel comfortable about inviting that experience into their lives or that brand. Um, but then also understanding when you think about who you know and love, you don't love like anyone who sits there and talks about themselves the whole time. So that's very much the same type of sensitivity that you need to have to these different types of relationships. Now we will be um, forming with any type of brand that has that voice presence. Yes, definitely. Um, Scott, um, you were mentioning that uh, Amazon was not successful with their phones. Mm -hmm. um, and the ironic thing is, according to Project Management Institute, Alexa is the number 13 of 50 most influential projects pro projects ever created. Wow. It's yeah. above Walt Disney World. like, And I believe it's, oh yeah, it's above iPod. iPod is 23. Yeah. So wow. um yeah, Netflix is right above it, but uh, <laughs> well, let's be—I mean, come on, let's be realistic. <laughs> right. And it's just super interesting to know, kind of like I said, the history of it and really how it's effectively kind of kicked off this next wave of consumer adoption and also attention. Um, so, I mean, I, I you know, hats off to Amazon for creating kind of this this next wave and and really getting people to hopefully put down the phone and not clutch, you know, their phones as much and interact with things. Um, and obviously there's a, um, you know, financial reason behind why they wanted yeah. to create it. Mm -hmm. But I do think, you know, there's going to be, it's going to open a lot of opportunities. Um, so, you know, it, it could be a bridge, it could be a stepping stone. I do think voice is going to become pervasive within society. And we're going to look back in a short while and go, wow, I can't imagine a world where this just isn't a thing. Like I can't imagine a world right now where we don't have a smartphone in our pocket and say in the next decade, the smartphone might go away because of all the technology that's gonna go around it. So we'll still have the same capabilities, it's just gonna be a different form factor. So 
Like that's literally what we're talking about and the kind of the, the massive um, shift that's underway. Yeah. I mean, we even think about, um, we were just sitting at Target the other day and someone was literally, um, they were FaceTime. There was one person who was FaceTiming as they were shopping. But I, I've heard many a person um, either research or use their voice to also just send a text. And I think about how odd that would have seemed three years ago of why, <laughs> why, who are they talking to? What are they, and just how comfortable they are. And what's interesting is it's all ages. It's not just mm -hmm. some teenage kid or an early adopter type, but it is all, and, and a lot of times, quite honestly, it is someone in that 50 and over age group mm -hmm. who doesn't feel like typing. So mm -hmm. yeah, they're just going to talk right into their phone and, and still communicate, which is another um, exciting aspect of how voice does. And I, I think there was a study that was just released that shows it does combat loneliness. And that's a fantastic side effect. It is still a solitary uh, experience to a certain extent. So like you listen to a podcast with your earbuds in, you listen to music, you've got your headphones on or whatever. I wonder... And, it, and it's starting to happen, but um, specifically for that side of things, for streaming and for podcasting and all of that, how can we make it more of a uh, collaborative experience? So we're, we're away from the visual stimulation, so we're, we're calming down from that, but how can we work that angle to have a, an actual experience with another human being. Like when, when we were, you know, back in the 20s, you'd have the radio playing and um, it would be, you know, central in the living room and people would sit down and listen to their, their evening uh, radio program and they'd all mm -hmm. sit together. Uh, if we're coming back to the era of, you know, listening to recordings, how can we go back to the era of having it be a coming together moment? Well, there are a few ways that people are starting to do it now. Um, and it really is in the area of flash briefings. So for folks that are listening that aren't familiar, flash briefings are like a micro podcast. And so they're available on the Amazon Alexa platform. The Google Assistant has a similar type thing that they call the news. But the idea is it's like a tip of the day. And so there is a way to um, put your content out and then actually at the at end of it, ask for feedback and get that feedback coming back in from your audience. So they can record audio files and then it'll post to your account. And you could use that audio within your recording. So you could actually add it and say, you know, Scott from Chicago asked and then play my video or my audio uh, prompt and then actually go into the answer. Um, but it is a, an attempt to start to involve the audiences a little bit more. Cause you're right, right now, podcasting is basically just a broadcast medium and it's, you're pushing the content out. You don't really have that two-way con contact. Um, so that's one way. Um, I think games are actually another opportunity um, oh, yeah. for kind of that communal mm -hmm. aspect mm -hmm. of voice. And you even see it with, you know, Jeopardy and some of those other games. I think once we start to create deep audio-based game experiences, um, especially if it's multiplayer, I think you're going to start to see that communal aspect start to happen. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk always has uh, a few thoughts on this, but yeah. he's always talking about like <laughs> the idea of a dinner party. And either you're playing a game afterwards or even during dinner, you know, you could be talking about, well, where should we all go on a trip? Oh, maybe we're going to go to Napa or whatever. And you just start firing off questions to like the Alexa or the Google Assistant. And, you know, over the course of conversation, you go, all right, let's do it. And you just say book the trip. Like that seems far-fetched in 2019 terms, but I think it's going to be here in the next three to five years. And so I think, you know, that, that communal aspect isn't necessarily as much 
consuming broadcast content is it is kind of that kind of an experience. So before we before we end for today, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk a little bit about your book. Did you want to give any more details, uh, how we can find it, all of that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, the, the, the title of the book, because I don't think we've actually called that out, is called Voice Strategy, um, Designing Useful and Usable Experiences. Um, and we are actually self-publishing it, but it will be available on Amazon. Um, we also have, um, actually, if you want to order it now, you can at voicestrategybook.com. Um, talk about SEO and URLs. Um, but essentially, um, we have put this book together and it will be launching this month, um, actually in the next three weeks. And um, again, as we had mentioned, it focuses on, um, it does have a slight upfront that talks about the compelling reasons for why voice. And then we delve into the business opportunity and then, okay, now what? What do you do with that? Um, and so it is a, a overarching strategic book on how to figure out your voice strategy and how to make that work within your existing brand. While we do talk about voice strategy because it is important to have a voice strategy, um, it's also important to have a content and a marketing strategy. Um, if you don't have those things, uh, a voice strategy by itself will not solve your problems. So we delve into that a bit um, about how you put those things together, the questions you need to ask yourself um, and take you through that journey so that when you um, come out of the book and if there you are a bit more prepared to be able to develop that and say, okay, this is how I can start to get a direction and, and, and a roadmap. And um, we have some extra additional tools that are available that help also walk through and organize all of those thoughts. Yeah, the great thing about the book is it's for people that have never really experienced voice and are looking to learn a little bit more about it. So like brand teams, marketers, it would be a great read for them so they understand kind of the, the ins and outs and also so they can go through and see, um, you know, what their agency is doing. So it'll be a little bit more informed there. But it's also for, you know, user experience folks, content strategy folks, people in the voice community to really, you know, leverage a lot of the experience that Susan and I have had and all the work that we've put in um, to creating these different tools and frameworks so they can actually start leveraging it for their own clients. Thank you so much for joining me today, you guys. Uh, again, this is Scott and Susan Westwater of Pragmatic Digital. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. You. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Sound and Marketing. To order or download Susan and Scott's book, Voice Strategy, Designing Useful and Usable Experiences, it's available on Amazon or directly at voicestrategybook.com. You can follow and subscribe to the Sound and Marketing podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. And don't forget to enter promo code Sound in Marketing for your one month free trial of Stitcher Premium. The link and promo code will be listed in the show notes of this episode. To get a hold of Scott and Susan, you can find them at Pragmatic Digital. That's www.pragmatic.digital backslash or on LinkedIn. For inquiries on producing and developing your own podcast, or for inquiries on Sonic Branding and Sonic Branding consultation availabilities, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R Productions.com, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at DreamerProductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. This episode was produced by Dreamer Productions and hosted, written, and edited by me, Gina Isham. 
Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.